We'll go to 92 here. Psalm 92 has no author. It is the psalm that they sang in Israel during the morning sacrifice on the Sabbath day, so on Saturday. This was the psalm that they would sing. Um, and it has a third commandment emphasis. Um, my outline of this psalm is, uh, puts the title in the middle with verse 9. Verses 1 and 5 are about doing something, playing music or bearing fruit, um, showing your faith with what you do. The middle, the central part of the psalm, the, uh, the uh, creamy part of the Oreo cookie, is uh, parts 2 and 4, marvel at what God has done and take comfort in what God has done. Then you get back to the cookie again at the end with the bare fruit. But the, and the, the, the title, Worship the Lord Most High, is in the middle. Um, so Psalm 92. A psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. It is good to praise the Lord and make your music and make music to your name, O Most High. Um, and to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. Um, the lyre, the ten-stringed lyre, uh, of course, did not have uh, a neck or really a soundboard to speak of and no frets. Therefore, how do you get the music out of it? You just play the strings individually and that string can't really be tuned. So uh, a typical uh, ten-stringed uh, lyre looks something like this. Um, I have uh, audio keyed up to play here, but I had a problem this morning and it undid my record. So I'm going to not play it for you. But you know what a harp sounds like, basically. In the future, I might be able to play you audio, but tonight I want to be careful and not, uh, uh, not wreck this particular recording, if you don't mind. But um, let's just move on. For you make me glad by your deeds, O Lord. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord. How profound your thoughts. And Paul said, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments, his paths beyond tracing out. Many have tried to learn how profound God's mind and wisdom is, and it goes way beyond our understanding. Um, I usually end my sermons with those words. The peace of God that transcends our understanding guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Any of you ever heard of a lake called Lake Malawi? It's in Africa. It's uh, between Malawi and Zambia. And it is about a mile wide and three or so miles long. You can't see the other end. You know, when you're standing on, on the north or south end. Um, um, but more than that, you know, so it kind of seems like a, a nice lake, right? Something like Lake Hanska or something around here. We have some pretty big lakes in Minnesota. But none of the Minnesota lakes I know of are like this one. Um, the lakes I grew up in Wisconsin are lakes that might have been, you know, a couple acres across. We measured things in acres back home. Um, but they were usually about waist or chest deep. What is that, about four feet, three, four feet, something like that? Typical of a lot of Minnesota. It might be one deep part, you know, but mostly it's not that bad. You know, if you dropped your watch, you could dive in and maybe find it 
or something like, or your high school class ring or something like that. Although when my dad and I were canoeing across Lake Superior and I lost my high school class ring, um, I did not dive in after it. It's just gone forever. Um, along with a $5 bill. So it's there for the taken. Um, Lake Malawi, though, is more than five miles deep. They call it bottomless. They practice deep sea pressure diving there. Um, the Malawian Navy, uh, <laughs> a landlocked country. Um, and what strikes me is that it's just an incredible trench that just goes down, 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 down. And, and yet you see moms letting their little kids paddle canoes on top of the lake. And to me, I'm like, how could you do that? You know, you, um, but most everybody just thinks about the top of the lake, the surface of the lake. They don't think about how deep and how far down it goes. But that reminds me of one of the Gospels. One of the Gospels has terribly simple language up on top, but the theology goes so deep. And which Gospel am I thinking of? John. John. Um, John is the Gospel that you can throw at your Greek students the third week of class. It's such simple Greek. You know, who can't translate words like light and life, you know, and was and things you know that's that's beginning greek but what's the theology behind light and life and being and it just goes it just goes so far down 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 that it reminds me of lake malawi in in uh, central africa like that yeah Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And they, they, for many years, they thought it was bottomless. They had no way to measure it. You know, of course, it can't be bottomless, you know, but uh, yeah. Although I once had a leak in my basement, and I thought that somebody on the other side of the world, that there was some bottomless pit, or somebody left the water running somewhere else, and it was, well, never mind, let's just go on. Deeper than it is long. Yeah. yeah. For you make me glad by your deeds, O Lord. I sing for joy at the works of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord. How profound your thoughts. I just read that, didn't I? Oh, Revelation 15. They sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. So, uh touching on some of the thoughts here of our psalm, although Revelation is actually quoting from, Gen from uh, Exodus, I think it's 15, the actual song of Moses, but some of the same thoughts are touched on here. The senseless man does not know, fools don't understand, that though the wicked springs up like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be forever destroyed. So the eternity of punishment in hell, hell lasts forever and there is no reprieve. But on the other hand, but you, O Lord, are exalted forever. Heaven lasts forever, and there is no end. So again, two thoughts put very close together. 
For surely your enemies, O Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All evil evildoers will be scattered. Does it seem repetitive to you that the psalm writer puts the same words in two, two lines right in a row like that? It, well, and, and it happens in modern music all the time. You know, um, what's the second word of Love Me Do by the Beatles? It's love. Love, love me do. You know, it's, it's repetition. And it's uh, partly for the, to fit the rhythm of the song and partly, though, for emphasis. So it happens a lot more often in modern music than we think. But sometimes when people are confronted with music that doesn't have the tune, they, they, they get confused by the words because they, they haven't seen words by themselves very often. Um, but that also reminds me of why do, we, uh, why do we use music in worship? Well, it touches the emotions, doesn't it? Also, it makes the words, the text, more memorable. Um, when you're thinking of something, you know, how many of you think you know, you know, 20 or 30 poems off the top of your head? And the answer is we all do. We just know them as songs. You know, and if you get the, the lyrics in your head, the, the tune in your head, you can pull off the entire song probably or most of it, right? Um, in, uh, I think it was 93, I was directing uh, uh, King Lear at Northwestern College. The college just had its play last weekend, right? Well, that was the time of year when we did King Lear. And uh, I found out four weeks before the production was supposed to go on that the guy with the second biggest part in the play had become academically disqualified. He failed a Hebrew quiz. So somebody else had to take over. And who wants to learn five acts, three hours, of iambic pentameter in a month. You know, in fact, it was more like three weeks. And uh, so I stepped down from being the director. My assistant director took over and I took on the part and learned all the lines. Um, and then, how many of you know Sue Schoen? She teaches at St. Paul's. Her dad was my Hebrew professor that year. He assigned me to, to have memorized the 23rd Psalm opening night of the play in Hebrew. So not only, I had to have five acts of Shakespeare and the 23rd Psalm in Hebrew memorized for the same day. Um, and he would not let me off. What he said was, well, that'll happen in your ministry sometimes. And I thought, when am I going to have to know five acts of poetry and a psalm in Hebrew on the same day? But, and then, so what did I do? I sang it. Adonai ro'ilo exar. I used the tune of the Lord is my shepherd with the Hebrew text of the 23rd Psalm. And I'll never forget Professor Spouty kind of scowling at me like, that seems like cheating. You know, what's well, a song? You know, and he, he let me off. And then he said, "Good luck with the play." You, know, so, okay. you oh, you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured upon me. The wild ox here in the King James version was the unicorn, but uh, not a 
not a good translation. The aurochs, uh, the, the reason they went for unicorn, I think, in 1611, is, which is when Shakespeare was writing, by the way, is that um, this was an unknown animal. Aurochs was an extinct critter. The bones on the left are the skeleton of an aurochs. The painting on the right is a digital representation of an ox. That um, uh, Laura, would you stand up and come over here, please? Yeah, right up by me. Um, so, uh, you're how, how tall? 5'4". Five 5'4"? Four. Five four? Okay. An aurochs was more like 6'2". So you can imagine my arms are the horns of this thing. You know? This is kind of, a, I, mean, I mean, I'm a big guy, but that was a much bigger critter, right? So that's how huge this monstrous animal was. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. So it was a big, big animal. Um, and uh, uh, so the wild ox, they used the horns for a lot of things. Um, they may have used this horn for anointing and things like that, whereas they used the ram's horn for blowing for, for as a musical instrument. Um, but a big, powerful critter. Um, well, how many of you have seen a buffalo? Yeah, if you can imagine the size of a buffalo, but the shape of a big, say, uh, a white-faced steer or, you know, a beef cow, you know, without the shagginess, that's about what an aurochs would have been. So a huge, huge uh, creature. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries and my ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. Which would you rather hear? The shout of your enemies coming at you or the cries of your enemies running away from you? You know, I'd rather hear the skedaddle part than the oh no here they come part. Um, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree, which if you're right next to them are enormous. I have no idea how Gilligan climbs palm trees. I, I suppose he shinnies up them somehow, but I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. So cedars, the most gigantic trees in the Middle East, they don't quite rival our sequoias up in the Pacific Northwest, but they are the big pine trees in the Northwest because the, they're from Lebanon. So that's, you can kind of equate them with sequoias that way. And all of Solomon's buildings were made when the, the wood parts were from cedars. They would just cut them down and float them down the Mediterranean to go to, the, to uh, Jaffa or some port like that, and then they would ship them overland in carts um, to Jerusalem. Um, but that's how they got all their lumber. But huge, huge trees and flourishing trees. The thing about a cedar tree or a palm tree is it keeps giving, um, uh, you know, the, the cedar will keep dropping um, its uh, seedlings its whole life. Um, a palm tree will keep producing its whichever kind of uh, uh, fruit it gives. Some palms Coconut palms are more tropical. The palm trees in Israel give what? Do you know? Dates. Dates, date palms. Um, so you just knock them with a stick and the dates come you know, fluttering down and stuff like that. So blessings that come. Uh, just the last two verses here. Uh, they will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Proclaiming the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. 
so still bearing fruit in old age. Um, trees bear fruit longer than any other plant. And God will see to it that you and I are still bearing some kind of fruit into our old age. Maybe not necessarily children. Although how old was Eve when she had Seth? Hundred and thirty. Can you imagine still cranking out the babies at hundred and thirty? You know, um, I was amazed when my aunt had a baby at at, at forty. You know, I was ama- I was I was just, and then and then my wife did it at forty two. Um, but uh, but yeah, some women are able to keep producing children. Of course, men. How long do men keep siring children, or can they? They don't have a limit. Charlie Chaplin was still becoming a father in his 90s. Um, but proclaiming the Lord is up. So, but it's not just babies, though, not just children, but all the fruit we produce. Whether you um, um, instruct, help, um, take care of you know, a, a building or a lawn or a child or whatever it is that you do or a person or an elderly person. Um, you continue to serve and produce all kinds of fruit, um, our good works, which are our fruit our whole lives. And proclaiming with our, with our actions, the Lord is upright, he is my rock, there's no wickedness in him, so again we end with God's holiness. Uh, no, uh, uh, yeah, um, that's Greek. This is Hebrew. Um, and I did not look up the gender of this word. Hebrew has more than one word for rock or stone. Um, and I didn't look this one up ahead of time. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Um, the Holy Spirit can sometimes defy our conventions of grammar and he can throw us a curveball every once in a while. But perhaps I'll look into that. We have a couple minutes. Um, Psalm 93 is just a couple verses and really it's only two slides. Um, so if you don't mind, the Psalm 93 is a true orphan, no author, no other explanation. It was the morning sacrifice hymn that was sung on Fridays. Um, it's a creation theme throughout, um, and, uh, and here it is. The Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and is armed with strength. The world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. Your throne was established long ago, you are from all eternity. So if you think of how firm the, the earth is below you, God is even more firmly established in the heavens above. Um, that's the idea here. And then the psalm ends this way. The seas have lifted up, O Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters. Mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days, O Lord. So you get this pattern. I have it on the back, I think, of the 
No, on the bottom of the third, I suppose, page, this, these two triplets, the seas have lifted, 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 the voice, um, uh, the, the seas themselves lift, they lift their voice, they lift their pounding waves. Have you been by the ocean when the waves come tearing into stones and boulders and things and these huge breakers just fling uh, you know, uh, water and stone everywhere. Um, you can imagine what, it's, what that's like if you're in a shipwreck and the, and the sea just comes and just annihilates a ship. You have that in the end of the book of Acts where Paul's ship runs aground in the sand near Malta and the sea itself just tears the ship to pieces when it's, and, they, and they just float in on their planks and the flotsam and the jetsam and things like that. And then in, the, in verse 4, the mightiness. First of all, the thunder of the waters, the mightiness of the breakers, the waves of the sea, and then the Lord on high is mightiest of all. And then his statutes stand firm, his holiness for the endless days. And this is repeated, or at least touched on, in this verse from the last book of the Bible. I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Or in the King James, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Right? If you remember your handle. And uh, Deb. 117, just two verses. Yeah. Um, if the plan goes correctly, next spring, summer, and fall, I'm going to uh, on the on the weekends. I'm going to write devotions on on all of Psalm 119. That's my plan, um, but that'll be um, I think next year. But about two, sometimes three, sometimes one verse at a time, um, all the way through it. But Saturdays and Sundays um, next year. We'll meet here again next week. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thanks for letting me do this. God bless you. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.